It's that time of year. Who's declaring? Who's coming out? And what do they need to do from here on forward? Who got the awards that we didn't call and maybe some that we did? And who is the All-America? Are there enough prospects on there to put this whole team together and get going? Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL, defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, I am joined by my guy, Ryan Tracy. But before we get started, we want to talk to you guys a little bit about On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. And now we want to welcome you guys to the show. Man, we got some good things that we want to talk about today. Some key prospects that are declaring to the draft, and we're starting with Drake London, the 6'5", 210-plus pound receiver out of USC, a guy that was really on a terror. I mean, he finished the year with 88 receptions for over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns, and he played like half the season because he had a bad ankle injury. So now he's declaring this is a guy who just committed to playing football. He was a guy who was kind of bouncing back and forth between basketball, football at USC, right? You know, we talk about the two sport athletes in high school. This is a guy that was doing it at the highest level of college football, playing on both programs, committed to football. And it seems like that was the right decision for the big guy, but the ankle injury happened. He still declares. Do you think that might have any effect on his draft stock? I'm sure that the medical will, like I'm, I'm actually kind of relieved. I thought maybe he would be tempted to stay, but I didn't think he had much more to prove. So that, that fits. But now it's about the the combine. It's about the medical checks. And luckily for him, it is it's a bone injury. It's a it's a fracture. That's gonna heal up nice. Bones are generally gonna heal stronger than they were before. It's not soft tissue. This is significant for him. So as long as when he gets to Indy, we have what nine weeks now. He has that chance to get to the point where he can just prove, hey, it's the bones knitting. It's going to be fine. I can still be able to uh, hit the ground running. Um, Probably some light exercise there uh, for OTAs. And by camp, I should be right as rain. I won't get all that on field time, but I'll be able to study. It's not like it's a hamstring. It's not like it's an ACL. So I'm really happy that he decided to come out and he's going to make some team very, very happy. Yeah, this is a guy who right now I believe is probably projected first round. And we'll see. A lot of times we throw out a lot of names of, oh, that's the first round guy. That's the first round guy where there's only going to be so many receivers that go first round. I say out of the class, which is a really talented class. I mean, you do have the, you know, the receivers out of uh, Ohio State, you know, Wilson and Olave. We'll see what happens with them. You know, you have other uh, receivers coming out, you know, Jahan Dotson, but also, you know, Drake London, and we'll see how he fits in with the rest of this group. You know, there was a receiver in recent years that came out from USC, Michael Pittman, who's kind of similar. I think he he was a little bit stockier, like a little bit bulkier, but Mm -hmm. similar play styles. And I think when people kind of see them, they'll see some similarities. 
think the one thing we're going to be curious to see, especially with Drake London, is how well does he run? Because he wasn't a guy who created much separation. And at 6'5", you know, 210-plus pounds, you don't expect a guy to create massive separation or anything like that. But most of the things that he did was contested. He he displayed extremely good body control, you know, especially at the catch point, whether it's on the sideline, whether it's in the end zone. Uh, one thing that was very intriguing with how they utilized him was screens, just the amount of screen passes that he saw. So it was good to see a longer guy because, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers are playing Thursday night football. They have Deontay Johnson. Typically, that's the type of guy that you throw the screens to, but they were thrown into this jumbo-sized version of Deontay Johnson, and he still looked fluid. He still looked quick, and he was able to pick up extra yards. So I think that's something that, you know, you you see the ability there. You see the movement skills. All that stuff stands out. The hand-eye coordination, that's all there. That speed, that's going to be the big question mark heading into draft time and see, you know, what kind of 40 times does he put on paper? Does he do the, you know, the three cone, the L drill, the agility drills that really showcase some more visibility that they might have a question with? We'll have to wait and see about that. But there's another receiver that also declared today, Traylon mm-hmm. Burks out of Arkansas, 6'3", 230-pound receiver. What are some of your thoughts on him? I, this isn't a shocker at all. There wasn't any question about him possibly declaring Right, yeah, you, you kind of felt this one was coming. Um, but I think he's also another interesting guy. I see him as a top 50 selection until I look at all the film. I don't know exactly where it's going to be, but I think he's making a bid to be in that first round. I think he's going to have a little competition there at the back half of the, of the first round, in my opinion, with London and, and with John Mechie now, because I think that injury is going to pull him down as well. So it becomes what can Burks do? We've seen him do a little bit more, in my opinion, than we've seen London do in terms of specificity of the route tree and where he lines up. But then there's questions about explosiveness with him as well. There's a, a strange question about weight management for some reason. I, mm. I'm not sure if that's going to be a condition that's going to bother some teams or what they're going to see other than the fact that I think the combine is important for him to come into shape. It's, it's going to be key for him to show up and say, listen, and just put that out of your mind and get that off the evaluation fill or, or list so that they can just pass on by it and concentrate on the film and what he does on the field. Right. And what he does, I mean, just really an explosive player. He's not the most twitched up guy. And I think that's what you're alluding to, but he definitely has that long speed. I think his ability to, you know, be kind of a, play a, kind of a Debo Samuel role. You know, they did a whole lot of different things with him at Arkansas. You know, they didn't have the best quarterback situation there. They had KJ Jefferson. He was a guy who was really kind of getting his first extensive uh, playing time. I was I was always confused with why they elected to play Felipe Franks over him in the 2020 season when it was like, this team's not going anywhere. Develop your young guy, KJ Jefferson. He's going to be better for it this year. And they had an opportunity to do some big time things at Arkansas, but not having KJ Jefferson quite developed as the pure passer. I think that hurt them in a few games. Did not hurt Traylon Burks and his draft stock, but how they utilize him. I mean, it was almost some Debo Samuel type stuff. They need to do, you know, motions, jet sweeps. They line them up in the backfield at running back. But as well as that, you know, he caught for over a thousand yards. He was a guy who had a terrific vertical game, being able to, you know, pass catch downfield, showed tremendous hand-eye coordination as well. Got his contested catch ability was through the roof. He really reminds me a lot of like an AJ Brown right now. And that might here be a cop that we hear pop up, but I think he might even have better pure straight line speed than AJ Brown. This is a guy who I believe will definitely be a first round pick. And I think just his, you know, his uh, ability to play line up everywhere, whether it's in the backfield, whether it's that receiver in the slot 
and be utilized in so many different ways and kind of be more of that new brand of receiver that's kind of turning positionless a little bit. I think he's going to lead the charge of that with a guy like Debo Samuel. He's going to remind me, if he does all that, a lot of Cordero Patterson. Let's see what happens. Right, we will see. But first, we want to talk to you guys a little bit about on location. All right, Super Bowl Fifty Six is at SoFi. That's less than a hundred days away. And on location, that's the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seat and choose from the elite experience featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great. Wolfgang Puck. All right. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Now, when you're done doing that, yeah, make sure you guys check out Built Bar because they continue to come through for the holiday season. Grab your protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even Better than a candy bar in some instances. Our built bar is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decent flavor, covered in 100% real chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in the right thing. It's high in protein. All right, you're going to get the best of both worlds with this delicious and healthy snack. So many flavors, and they continue to have new ones that come out. You know, you'll have a hard time choosing between what flavor it is that you want to try right now. I mean, you have raspberry, you have mint brownie, you got cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, so many really good flavors, and much more than that. Bill Bar gives you an extra fuel. So, you know, when you guys are out and you're shopping, don't be tempted to go to, you know, a hot dog stop or, you know, Wherever else you go in the mall, pizza, Chinese food, no, reach in your purse, reach in your pocket, and grab your built bar. Because I'm telling you guys, it's the season of peace and love. All right. Don't bring up your favorite built bar flavor at parties because they might try to take all of your <laughs> candies. All right. But you want to you want to show them what is a built bar, what does it taste like, and see if also they'll want to get some as well. And when they do, so that they, they want some. You're going to tell them to go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. When they do that, they'll get 15% off their order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And you don't just, you know, don't be selfish and you get it. I mean, tell your family as well. And speaking of not being selfish, we got some, we got a little bit of awards, right? Right. It is that season, right? We went over a bunch of them with Rob Rang. If you all missed that, go back and check out yesterday's show. But um, Rob's been pretty accurate to this point, right? He has been pretty accurate. There, there were two things that he hit on right away. Uh, you know, he talked about the Associated Press Player of the Year. And we were like, you know, who do you think it's going to be? And Rob Rang was like, huh, it's going to be Bryce Young. And he was right. Now, Bryce Young obviously isn't a guy that is coming out in the upcoming draft. But just what he did. You know, it wasn't all, you know, perfect for the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide this season. They had some ups and downs. They had a loss this year. They had some tight games, a near loss to Auburn. You know, like there were a lot of things where you're like, okay, well, well what is this team? But when it came down to it, the guy who really led them and the guy that really kind of was the rock and kind of like held down that playoff spot for them because they were really in jeopardy of potentially not making the playoffs. 
But Bryce Young kept everything together. He made all the throws that he needed to. He was super productive. When he needed to make plays with his legs, he did that. When there was throws downfield, he was feeding receivers. He was hitting guys. And unlike the previous years, I do think they have a first-round receiver in uh, Williams, Jameson Williams. I'm not sure if Mechie is that guy. They they the previous couple years, I mean, they had multiple first round picks. Not sure they're gonna have that. They also in previous years, you know, you had Najee Harris, a guy who's a first round running back. He didn't have that. And I like Brian Robinson, but he ain't Najee Harris. So they definitely didn't have the same type of supporting cast. But I think Alabama's probably the favorite to win the national title right now because of Bryce Young. Yeah, I would say he's got to be the reason, right? And it definitely felt like the offense shifted this season to more of a an NFL style pass first, not rely on the run as much. And, and of, like you said, nothing against Robinson. But when you have this talent here that you've been able to kind of unleash in in what is a different way for Alabama. And obviously you had to put a lot of expectation on Jameson Williams. I think he's come through. Uh, he's certainly earned a first round uh, grade for me so far. We'll see what happens when we do all the film and break it all the way down. But you said something I want to ask you about in relation to what Bryce Young's been able to do. It's because of his targets. I think he's had adequate blocking. I think he's had some run support, but his two targets and it's Mechie that really intrigues me. I think he's still a top 50 pick, but I don't know if he's in the first round. How far do you think he falls because of his injury? Well, I think the biggest thing with the injury for any of these guys, if you're, if you're not projected like right now, right? Like we would say more than likely Traylon Burks is going to be a first round pick as long as he just doesn't, you know, just have a dra- drastic uh, change or just some super bad uh, offseason, right? Or training or whatever the case is. I think with Mechie, the one thing people that, that was really going to help him was his 40 time. What does he run? And a lot of times we've seen this where a guy might be borderline first round or really high second round, but then they go out and don't run well. I just brought up Deontay Johnson earlier. He was a guy, he didn't run the fastest 40 time. He ended up going, I believe it was day two or like third round or so, right? Or maybe high second. Where did Deontay Johnson go? But it wasn't as high as maybe he could have went if he would have ran a faster 40 time. So a guy like Mechie, I think that's going to be pivotal for him. See, how does he test? And really, I tell people all the time, man, when it comes to these 40 times, that isn't because they take you lower with a poor 40 time. That doesn't mean that they don't like you. What it really means is just, we don't got to spend as much money on you. The faster you run, the more money they have to spend. So the higher you have to go. So that's all that is the 40 and all that, the testing, it just makes you more money. Doesn't mean that you're not a good football player, but speaking of good football players, we have another receiver and another guy who is not coming out this year, just like Bryce Young, but, Jordan Addison, the receiver out of Pittsburgh, he won the Blitnikoff Award. And, you know, he was up against some big-time guys. A few guys that got snubbed. Didn't see any of the Ohio State receivers up there um, for the award. But he's going into this next game, does not have his quarterback missing. uh, I mean, not have his quarterback. His quarterback, they don't have their coach. uh, But he has a good quarterback in Kenny Pickett. But big-time award won by this guy, and he was super productive. He was a terrific receiver. Can't come out. I want to ask you, and the reason why we're bringing him up, when you see a guy have a productive season like this at Pittsburgh, where he might lose his starting quarterback, that, would you maybe consider opting out? Do you think that there's anything more he can do after this year to boost up his draft stock, especially when you factor in maybe not having as good of a quarterback back there? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, 
it's certainly an unknown. I, and I don't know the depth there at Pittsburgh or, or who's going to take over Kenny Pickett. Um, if you feel that you can get out in front, maybe you don't take the risk. But if he does that, I, it, it takes me right back to where we were the other day with Kenny Pickett. Like, so he loses his offensive coordinator. Now he's going to lose his number one target. Like if that were to happen, there's no way that Pickett can afford to play in that game because he can't do anything that's going to up his stock. It, it will literally make him going from probably right now the number one rated quarterback to potentially having a complete flop in that ball game that could lower his stock. So if this is the domino. If, if Addison opts out, I think Pickett's going to. Right. And again, the, the Addison opting out, that's just some like, we'll, we'll see where he's minded. I assume he's going to play. I'm more curious to see if he opts out next year and doesn't play because he he's he's only like 19 years old. We saw it with like Jamar Chase. Now again, I'm not comparing I'm not comparing <laughs> Addison to Jamar Chase or even the season he had. Jamar Chase did it big time uh LSU, SEC, you know, all that stuff. We know he was one of the more polarizing prospects in the recent years. But with Addison, I don't know how much more he can boost his draft stock if he goes back and plays at Pittsburgh next year, especially if he doesn't have his quarterback. So do you think, do you think there's any incentive for him to say, you know what, I'm going to skip my junior year altogether. I'm just going to go train, get ready for the draft process and all of that, and then just take my talents to the NFL. Do, do you think that we'll start to maybe see people do that? Because, you know, after guys like Jamar Chase or Panay Sue, and I know they were big-time prospects after they did it, though, they didn't take a hit as far as where they were drafted, maybe because COVID and they use that as an excuse, but regardless of it, people went off of the projection that they had uh, their sophomore year. It, it does feel like that's specific to COVID for me. I would think that you would get dinged by that by most evaluators. If you just decided to stop rather than because you're not eligible at that point, I would right. think it's more likely. And what do you think of this? If you're Addison, do you just look at transferring? The, I mean, the portal's open, open for business. <laughs> anybody can go anywhere at this point, right? Well, and then not just anybody can go anywhere. Anybody can go anywhere, and you don't have to sit out. So I definitely, you know, see a guy. We just saw Jameson Williams and how that played out for him. Transferring from Ohio State, obviously, you know, I don't know the situation. I'd much rather be at Ohio State than Pittsburgh. But transferring from Ohio State to Alabama, and maybe Addison follows in the same footsteps. He might see a guy like uh, Bryce Young and say, you know what? I want to go play with Bryce Young. He's losing Mechie. Excuse me. Right. He's losing Mechie. Who's losing Jameson Williams? I know they have some terrific, you know, uh, prospects coming up, some five-star receivers and everything, but I think Addison's a guy who can step right in and be a big-time pro uh, producer. So, you know, I don't want to put it out there in the atmosphere for any Pittsburgh uh, Panthers <laughs> fans that are listening. Like, don't you dare put this in our guy's mind. But that's definitely something that I would do. But I want to tell you guys about Stance. All right, Stance. It's a clothing line, and I didn't know much about it, but once I just ordered it, we're talking about super soft, comfortable gear. Some of the most, like, really good quality uh, product that you can find around. And not just from, you know, hoodies, joggers, shirts. I mean, they have socks. They have everything. I mean, they got the, the colorful stuff. They have the nice comfort. It is one of the best things that I've put on recently. All right. now. It was founded in 2009. Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. So if you're like me, who is super active, I try to work out in the morning time. This is something that I'm definitely going to use to work out. You know, it has a sharp focus on comfort. 
quality and creativity. Stance brings a, a aesthetic along uh, some uh, pop culture, hottest collaborations. I mean, just all kind of really cool stuff. So, you know, if you guys want to get on this, this is what you're going to do, man. Stance believes that the perfect fit, no matter what, is fitting you. That that those who feel good do good. All right. And we all heard Deion Sanders kind of say something along the same lines as that, right? Like you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. That's the same thing when it comes to stance and their apparel. You guys are going to use the promo code locked and when you guys go to check out and you'll get 15% off your first purchase. All right. So make sure you guys head over right now to stance.com. Get 15% off your first purchase by using the promo code locked on. Go do that right now. All right, let's get into it, man. We want to talk about and kind of close out with some awards that are happening. You got the All-American team that's out now. You know, what's really unique about this year is the vast majority of this list, and we're just going to go through the first uh, the first team here because I don't have the second team pulled up. Man, there's enough to talk about here. It's almost all draft eligible. That's the, mm-hmm. the great thing about it. There is a high volume of these All-Americans that are going to be in this draft. Obviously, Bryce Young got the quarterback nod. We know he's not coming out. Kenneth Walker, on the other hand, I think the best back in America right now, I have him on top of my draft rankings. He made the All-American team, and I, I am not shocked by that in any way, shape, or form. Are you? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it, you know, big-time player. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I'm not. Home run hitter. And I think that's the biggest yeah. thing about him for a guy with good size, good girth, like the way that he moves around to still be able to hit those home runs. I, I think that – Goes a long way in his evaluation. That'll be part of what we talk about as we get closer to the draft, folks. Um, the aforementioned Jordan Addison as well. Then David Bell, out of Purdue, mm. uh, sizable. And I know you like sizable wide receivers. So have you had a chance to watch him? What's your impression of him now that he is an All-American? So I watched more of them last year when I was looking into the film on Greg Newsom. Uh, so Northwestern, they played against Purdue. I watched him in a couple other games. So I haven't seen him this year. I would be intrigued to see, you know, the, the progression in which he has made. There Now we see the highlights, right? There are plays I see him toe-tapping um, on the sideline, keeping his balance, racing in for a touchdown. Definitely had a big game this year. But on a consistent basis, I haven't seen him. But I know last year I did. And it was curious. It was it was cool to see how to utilize him. You know, that was a Purdue team that also had Rondell Moore. Mm-hmm. And – I think Rondell Moore got all the shine, you know, for what he was. Explosive player, use him all over. He was a smaller guy, though. He was a slot. So when they went in more, like, you know, 21 personnel, Rondell Moore wasn't on the field. Who was on the field? Bell was on the field. He was that outside guy. They used him all over, whether it was, you know, slant routes, uh, you know, stop routes, go routes, post, dig. They targeted him in all areas of the field. And I thought he played well at all areas of the field. I definitely don't think he's someone that is, you know, any slouch with speed or agility. I thought he moved well. I thought he got in and out of his breaks well. We'll see how those things translate over to this year and how consistent they were. But definitely David Bell, that, that was a receiver that I really liked. Yeah, you and me both. And I think the big thing for him is his two biggest games were his two toughest games against highest-ranked opponents. That, that come into play means something when you get to the next level. Brock Bowers made it a tight end. Good for him. Uh, I think he's got a future ahead of him. We'll get to that eventually. Really intriguing that every single offensive line All-American is going to be in this draft, and we've talked about a number of them. Evan Neal, Alabama out of one tackle. Uh, Johnson, Tyler Linderbaum, Kenny Green, Charles Cross. Did that surprise you that he was the number two tackle here on the All-American team? No, nah, I mean, I believe I had him when we did our mock draft. I had him going top 
10, I believe, or right there around 10. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things I were reading were kind of having him go in like the top 15. So, you know, that type of, you know, ability, that type of talent, I'm not surprised that he put that on display enough to be, you know, first team All-American. Makes sense to me as well. I, I'm really looking forward to see how we go when we do the mock draft Mondays, which are starting next week, folks. We'll have a new mock for you. Make sure that you tune in on Mondays going forward. Let's see where he goes this next time. We spent a lot of time then on the defensive side talking about Aiden Hutchinson. He gets the nod at All-America. So does Jordan Davis. Uh, I think uh, a tackle that is intriguing in both size and athleticism. Let's talk about the motor when we get the film. I think that's going to be yeah. an interesting factor there. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, the second Florida state makes it a defensive end along with the other true edge and Will Anderson, who's one of the other few guys who isn't going to be in this draft, but Jermaine Johnson, I think after coming with Cato getting drafted last season, his, his partner in crime, very impressed with how well he's been able to step up and take it to a new level. He's somebody that I think is going to be impressive. Let's see how the tape rolls out though. Did he surprise you at all being on this list? Uh, nah, not, not from everything I've heard. Now, this isn't a guy who I've been able to dive into his film. And obviously we haven't seen his school on TV a whole lot, mm -hmm. but not necessarily surprised from some of the things that I've read about him. No surprise at linebacker, Nicobe Dean, Devin Lloyd. He, they yeah. are joined by Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma state. Um, a guy that I've seen on, on live a couple of times. He certainly put together a season that's worthy of getting onto this roster. And then we get to the DBs. Your guy, Sauce, had to make that, right? Roger McCurry, right. a guy that's gone under the radar from conversationally anyway, but has been at the top of, of ranking boards for like most him. of the season, right? Right? Yeah. I, I think that's that's all well and good. We talked about McKinley and Petrie yesterday. They made it as the safeties. I think this reflects exactly what this class is becoming, is that it's – I don't think there's uber talent at some of these positions. Um, I think maybe the edges are going to end up being like the highest sought after. But there's talent in this in this draft all the way across the board. And I think this list being predominantly draft eligible guys, I think that really makes it stand out. I think Verone McKinley, man, that, that's a guy, you know, Pac-12 prospects sometimes get a little overshadowed, especially when you have a, a teammate like Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, who's really taking on a lot of the shine. But M McKinley, man, he's been solid. And, you know, I've had conversations with him through social media, you know, just DMs and everything. And we just talk about certain plays or whatever. And, you know, I always keep an eye out for him when I'm watching Oregon. This has been the guy who I believe is like one of the tops in the nation, uh, in the nation with interceptions or leading the nation in interceptions. So he's been a big time playmaker. He's extremely smart. He's someone that actually loves the game. Uh, he wants like aspires to do like podcasting and things like that. You know, there one thing when I got to the NFL, I noticed one thing right away. Guys don't love football like that. A lot of these guys don't watch football. It, you know, most of them, there are, I'd say half the league, maybe more than that, they are good at football, so they play it, but it doesn't come from like a place of love. McKinley, definitely someone who loves the game. I remember being in special teams meetings, and this is just a little insight for y'all about kind of being an NFL rookie and stuff like that. We used to have to do these classes where they were like two hours long. And mm -hmm. all first, second year players and you, everything you went through, like in life and stuff like that, whatever you're going to go through, whatever you're going to encounter, you go through this whole like crash course over a few months. It's like uh, four days a week, two hours each day. 
and you go through all of that. So when you guys see receivers, I mean, not receivers, NFL players do stupid stuff, just know they've been kind of told not to do these things, but they do it anyways. But um, <laughs> we also used to play these like little games, little trivia games. Mm. And I remember our special teams coordinator, like, you know, he would ask a simple question like, who's in the NFC North? And most of the guys just don't know. They don't watch football like that. But McKinley, tie it back into him. He's a guy, he watches it, he loves it. Uh, studious, and I'm not surprised with uh, you know the playmaking ability that he has that really stood out. So a uh, big shout out to McKinley. He might be one of the more underrated guys in this class. Absolutely. And folks, if you're just joining us, if you want a place to start looking at film, looking at stats, looking at who's going to be in this draft, this All-America list is a great place to do it. So go check that out. We appreciate you guys being with us. It's been a fun week. I think we're starting to get in our groove. We got a lot of work ahead of us, though. Yeah, guys, so that's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you guys follow us both on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker for me. Also find Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter. And I know you guys made us your first listen, but your second listen, go ahead and listen to Locked On Chiefs with Ryan Tracy. Also listen to Locked On 49ers with myself and Brian Peacock. But until next time, we are out. Peace.